Hi, this is Eddie Markham, pastor of River of Life Church, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Hopefully you're going to be inspired and impacted by our message today. I also want to let you know what's going on here at River of Life. God has just been blessing us, and we have outgrown our facility, and the time has come for us to get into a new building. We need to get into a bigger building. So we have kicked off a building campaign this year, and we are moving forward, and God is blessing it. So we are reaching out to you, our podcast listening audience, and just want to encourage you that if you would like to participate and make a donation into our building fund, please head over to our website. It's www.rol-ag.com. And right on the homepage there is a little donate button. Click on that, follow the instructions, and just sow your seeds, sow into this ministry, and help us make this happen. I want to say thank you in advance, and I pray God continue to bless you and impact your life as you listen to the ministry at River of Life. Go forth with your spirit on it, Lord. We bind the enemy in Jesus' name that would try to hinder the word. We pray, Father God, that your spirit would be in control of this gathering of people in Jesus name amen if you have your Bibles while you're still standing please very quickly go to the book of Nehemiah go to the book of Nehemiah all month long we've been talking about a church worth building series and we're going to continue that theme this morning we're going to go to Nehemiah chapter 2 Nehemiah chapter 2 And I'm just going to read a small portion, then we'll be seated, and I want to expound upon it. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18. Let's back up to verse 17. And then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come, and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which has been upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. And so they said, let us, everybody say us, let us rise up and build. Then they said, then they set their hands to do this good work. Amen. Give three people a high five and tell them it's our time. How many of you know that God is a God of timing? Let me just, let me just speak this out there. I've only got a little bit of time this morning, but I just want to tell you, God is a God of timing. So. So all month long, we've been talking about a church worth building, a church worth building. And we had talked about the church being missional. We talked about the church being a house of prayer. We talked about the church being a house of the word where lives are changed. And this week, I want to talk to you guys about the thought of a church worth building is worth belonging to. A church worth building is worth belonging to. Hashtag, are we still doing hashtags? Hashtag church life. I'm a church kid. I often joke I was born on a Wednesday night in between offering and sermon on the front row. Church is all I've ever known. I'll never forget the time I was in first grade and I had a spelling test and I got the words wrong because it was words like prophet. I was thinking of Elijah, not money. So I had the wrong prophet on there. And I thought, why did I get that wrong? I spelled it right, mama. And I had a lot to learn. I mean, that's my whole perspective has been church, God and church. And it's a legacy that, to be honest with you, it wasn't that I, till, I don't want to say here recently, but within the last few years that I've fully come to respect and fully come to value. I talk to a lot of kids that grew up in church, and some of them are still in church, some of them are out of church, and so many have such a nasty opinion and feeling of church because of being brought up in church. But let me, let me just encourage you. That's a wonderful legacy to have. It truly, truly is. It truly is. So I don't want to digress. Let me get into this this morning. So a church worth building is worth belonging to. How many know that we're not looking to just build a church so it can be empty after? <laughs> we want to, you know, it's hard to preach to empty chairs. I mean, we do it when we practice, but it's, it's a lot better when there's people here to say, amen, good job, or you're bad, you know. <laughs> we're a hollerback church, but let's not holler back too truthfully, all right? Just say amen, say glory to God, say preach it, brother, even though it didn't make sense. Thank you, my friend. That's right. So what does it mean to belong? What does it mean to belong? So I looked up these words. So this word belong means being rightly placed or where it belongs or property of. That's what it means to belong. My mom was one of those moms that would not let you put anything down in the house if it wasn't in his rightful place. I would be walking through the house, that don't go there. Where, I don't even know where she's at. That don't go there. That doesn't go. This has a spot, everything. I mean, it practically had duct tape around every little item in the wall and on the floor. This is the place where it belongs. Mama knows. 
Even to this day, I go to her house and she'll know if I move a knickknack to the left or move it to the right because that doesn't belong there. There's something. <laughs> the struggle is real, Dad. I know you're still there. <laughs> belonging. There's, there's something about belonging. Everybody say belonging. belonging. It is the place where you belong. It is, it, is, it is where you are property of. You are property of. Now, this morning, I want to try to walk the fence along two different thoughts. The first is, obviously, we're talking about the body of Christ. When I say the word church, when we say the word church, sometimes we're referring to the body of Christ. How many know that, that the body of Christ is a worldwide movement of, of all ch- of church, right? You know what I'm saying? That de- we all know, right, that denominations are not going to save you. When Jesus looks over the balconies of heaven, he doesn't look for the assemblies of God or the Baptists or the Methodists or the Nazarene. He's looking to see who was purchased with the blood of his own with the blood. Of sacrifice. Amen. So we understand that we're not here to build a movement. We're not here to build a denomination. We're not here to build anything. Like Steve Hill used to say, you could go to hell with a communion cup in your hand. You could go to hell in the baptismal tank. It's all about, do you know Jesus Christ? That is the true body of Christ. Let's not get hung up on walls and symbols. I got some friends who are Methodists. And yes, I believe with all my heart they're saved. And we talk about church. He's a minister. We know we have a few doctrinal disagreements, but this brother loves God. He's trying to get a movement in his own denomination. He's going up to the elders. He said that don't do anything in the community. And he's saying, let's reach this community for Christ. I didn't say, well, I can't agree with that because you're not AG. So come on. Let's get understand that the body of Christ is rocking right now across the world. It is. It truly is. But the local church, we can't neglect the local church. The local church, the local church is the network that he has chosen to build his kingdom. He just, he has. Now the early church, and then we got the whole other side of the spectrum who we have people that hate on the church as a general. Then they go back to, 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 I understand the book of Acts. I understand they went house to house, but you have to keep reading. Everybody say, keep reading. Keep reading. Listen, if you get hung up on a verse or get hung up on a thought in scripture, let me tell you, don't stop there. Keep reading. Because yes, they did go house to house, but they also assembled. There was a church in Antioch. There was a church in Ephesus. There was a church in Laodicea. How do I know that? Because you look all through the New Testament and you see that, especially in the book of Revelation. Jesus didn't say, I speak to the such and such family. The people that come to your house say this. No, no, no. He said, I speak to the messenger of the church in Ephesus. I speak to the church in Laodicea. I speak to the church in, the, in all seven churches. He's spoken to the church, the corporate body. So it's, it's very good to, to get together and hang out. And we just are ending our life groups. How many enjoyed those life groups? Isn't that awesome? This is something a few summers ago we've been starting and building momentum. Our new life group directors are doing a great job. But this is the power of the local church. It is to meet and hang out in, in fellowship in houses, but it's to come together in the house of the Lord. To come together corporately. We'll talk more about that later. But the local church is how God chose this network to build it. We need the local church. Let me just tell you, every believer should have a home local church. Let me just tell you, I know some people may disagree with that. And, and listen, I'm, I'm one of those guys, I've got my favorite preachers, and I'm not going to call their names. I don't want you to judge me. But I got, those, I got those preachers on social media. I love those clips. I love those Stephen Furtick clips. Got the jeans and the white tennis shoes and the microphone. And I love getting all that. But guess what? If I got a funeral, he ain't coming to do it. If I, got a, if I need a wedding, he's not going to come and do it. You need a local church. You need a local church. Every believer needs to have a local church. Everybody say, I need a local church. Amen. So I begin to think about this thought of belonging. I begin to think about this thought of, of being at home. How many like to be home? Nobody? Okay, a couple. All right, we're just slow moving, that's all. How many like to be at home? There's no place like home. One of my favorite movies is The Old Wizard of Oz. You know, I just love the, the, the technology for that day. I don't know. There's something about that movie that's always just fascinated me. And, and what was her famous line she always said? There's no place like home. Why? What is home? Home is where you're comfortable. Home is where you can rest. Home is where you can eat. You can grab a snack. Home is where you can sleep. Home is just where you can be yourself, right? Home is it's a safe place. Well, we need those things in the spirit world as well. You need a place to spiritually come and just rest. I don't know about you, but I, I, it's the, the more that this society gets crazy, the more things get so just, just going every which way that my soul, my spirit just feels unrest. It feels just it's tired, feels weary. So when I come to the house of the Lord, it's a place that I should be able to spiritually take a deep breath. 
You know, and just, I'm here. I'm here with brothers and sisters of like faith that, you know what, we're not perfect, but we're come together. This is what a local church does. This is what a home does. It provides you a spiritual resting place. It provides you some things. We'll talk more about that later this morning, but we all need a local home church. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I, I, so part of what I'm going to say is to address the body of Christ as well. But some of it's going to be talking to the River of Life Assembly of God right here in Belleville. Because how many know we're in a special time? How many, can, how many of you feel that? Seriously. How many of you can sense that we are in a very special time? Like I said a few moments ago, that God is a God of time. You might have a good idea, but if it's the wrong time, it's not going to work. God is a God of timing. Well, we've seen the scripture for such a time as this is the famous saying that comes out of the story of scripture. But we're in a very exciting time in our church right now. Things are happening. Things are moving quick. People are coming. God is adding. God is blessing. But let me just tell you, before we get going in this project, that we're not looking to just build a new building. We're looking to build the body of Christ. The big picture is this. People are the big picture, not buildings. People are the big picture, not buildings. That's why Pastor Reddy, that's why our mission statement says on the back of the shirt, 870 Savage Road is my church. No, it says what? Y'all got to help me wake up now. I am the church. I am the church because people are what church is all about. People is what church is all about. This building, there's not one person in this building that was here to build it back in the 70s, but we're here to enjoy it. But one day this building will crumble. It will corrode and crumble. But people are what lasts forever. The legacy that came from my father, that came from his brother, that I'm going to hand down to my children, hopefully hands down to the other children, isn't going to matter if the color of the carpet is purple. It's going to matter the relationship with Jesus Christ because that is the church. Amen? That is the church. But let's face it, we need a bigger building. <laughs> Having said all that, we need a bigger building. We need some place to, to have some elbow room and to have some, you know, some place. Uh, there's, there's times in here that there's all kind of different stuff going on, and we make the best of it. But the time has come that we need to, to move, move on. We need to build. We need to expand. Uh, we need to do whatever God has in store for us, and we need to be ready for that. Isaiah 54, 2, one of my favorite verses, he says that you need to expand. You need to broaden the border of your tent. You need to expand the, and broaden the border of your tent because God has a territory. Listen, God is building the church and he is moving. I believe this is a prophetic word for river of life. God is building the church, but he's getting, and I feel, I feel like he spoke this to my heart yesterday so strong. He said that I've been building the church, but I'm getting ready to build your influence. He's building the church here in River of Life. You can praise him. You can praise him. Because that wasn't me. That was him. He said that you're, I'm building your church. I'm adding people to it. But I'm getting ready to, instead of increasing your people, the Lord says, I'm going to increase your influence. He's going to, because the Bible says that the church isn't just supposed to be a social club. It is a spiritual launching pad by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why he placed us in this community. Amen? That was the introduction. Now let me get into my message. Can I do that this morning? The, the, the scripture in Nehemiah is we pulled it kind of out of context because it's actually a three-chapter head start. And I don't think we were ready to stand for three chapters. Maybe we were. I don't know. But I don't think I have that kind of time. At least at the 930, I don't. We might do that for the 1130. So if you've got an 1130 friend, come and tell him to get ready to stand. But the story of Nehemiah is fascinating. We preached a lot about it when we first came here in 2002. There was a lot of work that needed to be done, and here we are again. The Bible, I love the Word of God because it, it, it can be familiar in one sense, but it can be fresh in another. Amen? As you read the story of Nehemiah, in the first three chapters of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king. We all know the story. I don't need to go through the entire history of it. And he gets saddened because he hears that the walls of Jerusalem, his beloved heritage city, are falling down and they're broken. They're busted. They're disgusted. It's, it's a horrible situation. The Bible says that he gets really sad and grieved in his heart. And then he says that God put into my heart to go back and rebuild it. And so he goes before the king, and, and, and he asks the king of permission to go. And not only does the king give him permission to go, but the king gives him access to the king's forest for the best of timber. And then the king gives him goldsmiths and silversmiths and carpenters and masons and all these builders. And he literally gives Nehemiah a, a working crew and a bunch of people to go help him do this. And he goes to rebuild this. And as you see in the book of Nehemiah, that... He assigns portions of the wall to each family. As you read in around, I think it's around chapter 2, no, it's in chapter 3, when, Elisha, or when Nehemiah brings all the people back, and he brings them there, and he says, Brothers, I'm looking out over the city, and I'm looking to see that my walls are broken down. What are we going to do about it? 
And he doesn't try to tell his friends what to do. He doesn't try to, he doesn't try to force anybody to do anything. I can see him just standing there looking at these mighty men. Because the Bible says that he first went there by himself to scope out the land. And he wept. Then the Bible says he went back and he got the nobles and he got the strong men and he got the, the intellectual and he got all these people come together. And he's looking over the city and it's fallen in ruins. And he looks at his guys and he says, this is our homeland. And he stops right there. And I love it. There might have even been a dramatic pause. Maybe some, some music in the background. I don't know. Sometimes I think, you know, a little too movie-ish, I guess. But I can see this and I can see all the other guys. It gives their names and I can't pronounce half of them, so I'm not going to try. But they're standing there and they look and they say, I love this in this verse that I started out with. He said, and I told them the hand of God which had been upon us. And he waited for them to respond. This is what they said. And they said, let us rise up and build. He didn't say, Nehemiah, we're going to help you do this project. We're going to help you do this thing. No, no, no. He said, let us build. Everybody say, belong. belong. That's what belonging is. And so as you see this, you see that every group in, 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 the, in the Jews that had come back stationed outside of the wall, they, every family was assigned a portion of the wall, and they pitched their tent right there on the other side of the wall. And I love this. The very first group of people, do you know the very first group of people to stand up was the high priest, Eliashib. Eliashib stood up and he said, we're going to stand up. And the Bible says that when he stood up, all the other priests, because the Levites were still preserved, all the other priests stood up. And you know what? He went to the, and the old city of Jerusalem, had all these different gates that they could come and they could go. And the high priest stood up. And that signified to me that we in the church have to be the first ones to stand up, yeah. to do something. And it's very significant to me because I understand the, 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 the typology in Scripture. They could have chose any gate, but they went to the sheep gate. What is the sheep gate? The sheep gate is the gate that the Old Testament priests used to use. And I get emotional. I don't know why, but I do when I think about this thought. Because the Old Testament priests used to open the gates, and that's where the sheep could come in for the sacrifice. Church, can I tell you, it's time that we get back to the sheep gate. It's time that we open the gates to the community. It's time that we open the gates to those that are out there to say, come in to the house of the Lord. I know you're confused. I know you're lost. I know you're troubled. Come to where the peace is. Open those doors. He was the first one to do it, and then everything else landed in place. They were right by their spot because they were where they belonged. You are where you belong right now in Jesus' name. I believe that. So let me get to my points before we have to close. The first point is this. Battling comes with a price. And the first point is battle in belonging. Excuse me, I should say belonging comes with a price. If Listen, nothing, I don't know how I can say this. If you got something good, then someone else wants to take it. When I drove a hoopty, nobody wanted that thing. I would pray to God someone would take that. I'd leave the keys and leave it running. Because I got insurance, I would say, God, somebody take this hoopty. Nobody wants your hoopty. But they want that caddy out there that's all shining up. They want that Jag in the parking lot, that Mustang. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you got something worth locking up, then it's worth keeping. And if it's worth keeping, it's worth stealing. And so there's some battle. If, if you want to belong to something, you got to work at it. You got to fight for it. And there's four battles I believe uh, we're going to go through as church members. And again, this is to be a, the body of Christ. But some of this has to do with literally speaking about getting into this building program. And I'm going to go through these very quickly. The very first person you're going to have to fight is yourself. Let's go to this next verse. we got that verse 422 up there. At the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servants stay out at night in Jerusalem that they may be your guard by night and work by day. Got the next one. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes except that everyone took them off for washing. Now, I don't know if they took them off to wash their clothes or to wash their body, but how many know that washing is of the Lord? Amen. Even the deep servants like Nehemiah have had to have some hygiene. You saw deodorant in the video. That's what we're talking about right here. But guys, this is called work. Victory equals work. I remember back in the day when, when uh, being in school, I often tell people I played high school varsity basketball. I did. I don't tell them that it was a small private school that pretty much anybody could play. But I just tell them, hey, I played varsity. But I got to tell you what, I was whatever, whatever I, I really tried hard to make up for my growth spurt that still hasn't happened yet. But I, I happened with, I, when they were there trying to dunk, I was there trying to touch the rim. When they were there doing, doing, you know, when they were having their eating contest, I could hold my own with that one. I could hold my own with that one. But when we were, you know, they were bench pressing, I would do as much as I could, then I'd switch to the legs, because I always had some pretty strong legs. So I could leg press right up there with them. I mean, I, I would try to hang with the big guys. 
battle when you belong because I worked hard. I wanted that prize. But guys, listen, as we get into this thing, the, one of the biggest battles we're going to have to fight is ourselves. Did you read what I just said? Nehemiah said, all right, nobody's going home, guys. We're going to stand guard all night because the enemy was trying to break down their wall. The enemy was trying to tear down what they were trying to build. So he said, all right, I got something for you. I'm not going to lay in a corner. Nehemiah was a tough dude. If you read the whole book of Nehemiah, he got in the face of some of these people several times, got in their faith, church folk. He got in their face and said, you're disrupting what God is calling me to do. Pick up a shovel or leave. That was Pastor Nehemiah. So I'm not too harsh, all right? That was Pastor Nehemiah. But he said, guys, you're not going home. We're only going to shower once a week. Well, there is no time. I don't know when that was. That might have been once a month, once a week. I don't know what that was. But you get the picture. Guys, we're getting ready to work hard. We're getting ready to call for some late night work. We're getting ready. I'm, I'm not talking like in the sweet by and by. I'm talking like seriously, when the, when the, when the trucks start rolling in, so should the saints. We're calling. You know what, guys? Yes, I know we're asking. You worked hard all day. We're asking to come give a few hours in the house of God. We might be asking for some weekends. We might even postpone an event to get the resources to do a special project. If you've never been through a building project, you have to do things in a certain schedule and you have to keep that schedule up. It's, it, it's hard. How many have ever been through a building project at a church? Some of us have. Some of us haven't. That's what I'm talking about. There's a battle in the belonging. The first person you have to fight is you. I don't feel like doing that. I don't want to do that. But listen, when you belong, you are willing to work. Let me say that again. It, it, when you belong, when something is yours, you take care of it. That's why we have to get the mindset. I, I don't want any people to say, come on, I want to help you build your church. I want to help you do this, your church. Quit saying your church. This is my church. That's how you should say it. It, it, it. We need to build our building. We need to do our trees. We need to do our lawn. We need to do our communion, whatever it may be. We need to start saying it's ours. It's not mine. It's not Pastor Eddie Assembly. It's not Pastor Markham Assembly. This is River of Life, Assembly of God. I love how they said in their first verse, the men didn't say your project. They said, we will be together. We will be together. Now, that's not really a whole lot of problem. We got a lot of guys here that volunteer like crazy. We've had some people, we've got to tell them, stop. You're doing too much. They want to get involved in one more thing. We've had to tell them, no. That's why we, we, we take care of rotating our volunteers and taking some time off in the summer. And some people may not understand some of these decisions. I'm going to look at the floor when I say this right here. It's probably because you're not doing much. Because the people who are running are like, ah, yes, thank you. Give me that drink of water. You know what I'm saying? I'm not Nehemiah. I'm not telling you to leave. I'm saying that we're trying to take care of our people that work. You know, it's like, like I love baseball. And if you look at the, you wonder why there's a different pitcher out there. They got, you know, five, staff of five on average major league pitchers. It's because these guys are all really good. Well, this is why they do that. Because yeah, you got a guy that can throw really good. He's going to throw his best every night and he's going to throw long and he's going to throw hard and he's going to go as long as he can. But guess what? If he does that game after game, after game, after game, his career is going to last about two years and he'll be crippled for the rest of his life. So they were losing these major league players. So what they finally decided was, Hey, you know what? Let's get a bunch of really good pitchers and let's rotate them a little bit. So we're fresh every night. So we're fresh every game. So that's what we're trying to take care of, like Nehemiah did. He said, all right, we're going to do this. You're going to serve at night, and you're going to sleep in the day. And then you're going to sleep, work at night, and you're going to sleep in the day. He had them rotating, and he had them moving. Why? Because it was battling in the belonging. They were overcoming the battle of I. They were overcoming that I don't want to do it. I don't feel like doing it. Someone else will do it. Listen, guys, God is calling us to do it. Let's all do our part. And I understand there's some that are restricted, and that's, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but that's just the reality of it. Nehemiah called his troops. The next, the next battle you're going to fight is the enemy's opposition. In that next verse, I think we have that next verse, 4-3. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, even if a fox goes upon it, he will break it down, their stone wall. They were just laughing at these guys, just out of the open. They were saying, that wall you guys are building, even if a fox gets on it, it's going to crumble over. <laughs> and laugh. You know the guys that have those laugh, not because it's funny, but they want to just humiliate you? How many of you ever had to humiliate and laugh your way? You know what I'm talking about? It just like, pow, makes you mad, you know? I had a guy in high school. I kid you not. I had a guy in high school who was six foot tall, and I wasn't yet. And so I was there, and he was laughing at me, and i never forget. I don't know what came over me. I grabbed him by the coat, and I threw him against the wall. And we just looked at each other. I said, oh, God in heaven, help me. 
And you know, he just started laughing at me. And we laughed and kind of played it off, but just something came over me, like, what did I just do? That's the kind of, that's what we do to the people that irritate you like that. You know, this also reminds me of the story in David. You remember the story when David, you know, he was given the, the lunch to take down to his brothers and he, he, he heard Goliath talking and his brother said, who did you leave that little group of sheep with? Notice I had to throw that in there. They're who I call in the body of Christ the shin kicker. You know, God it says in Romans that God given some to administrate, some to help, some to build up. Also, there's some to kick shins. You know what I'm talking about? You ever have one of them little brats just come and go, pow, right in the shin? Like, I mean, there's like, there's very little pain than getting kicked right in the shin, maybe stepping on a Lego. But I tell you, those, those really hurt. But that's what these guys were doing to Nehemiah, trying to just put down their work. Can I tell you that the enemy does that to us? See, if the devil tries to get to you and he can't stop you, he's going to start criticizing your work. If he can't hit you directly, he's going to start m- discouraging you from doing your work. Oh, you want to get involved in Royal Rangers? Who do you think you are? You can't tell those men nothing. You want to be a girl's ministry sponsor? Look at your life, how messed up it's been. You want to start going to that church? They don't like you anyway. They're laughing at you anyway. And all these things the devil starts putting in our minds and he's starting to discourage us. Why? He's trying to discredit your work. Oh, what you do is puny. No one sees it. It's pathetic. Why do you even need to do it? It's insignificant. Let, Let me tell you right now, you need to get a hold of those voices. And just like Nehemiah said in this scripture, Nehemiah didn't even address them. He just told his troops to work harder and to go. When David's brother said that to him, he didn't even address them. He said, I ain't got time for you. I ain't got time for you. Who's this uncircumcised Philistine? That's what we need to do to these naysayers who try to come and tell us that our work is little. Our work is insignificant. Let me tell you, there was nothing little in the kingdom of God. There was no job too small in the kingdom of God. There was no one that's too unqualified to do. God doesn't call the qualified. He calls the, those who are willing and he equips them. He gives them the ability. So you just need to be willing and ready to go. Don't worry about, you know, someone else can do it better. Are they willing to do it? You're willing to do it. So do it and do it with all your heart. You're going to have to fight the the opposition of the enemy. Now, the next one I don't have on the screen, but if you read chapter or Nehemiah, the whole chapter five, guess what? They were tempted to battle with one another. Again, we're talking about the battle and the belonging. This is battle number three. They're tempted to fight with one another. If you look in Nehemiah chapter 5, it was just too long to talk. They begin to just have a fight amongst themselves. They had a fight amongst themselves. People were getting ripped off. People were mortgaging their lands. They were, they were, they were not getting their food. They were not getting their water. And, they, and they had a, Nehemiah had to stop production on the project and bring everybody into the central court and say, all right, let's hash this thing out. And he found out that these guys were lording over them. They were not giving them their due. They were not honoring their commitments. And these people were starving. These people were laboring without their supplies. And Nehemiah had to set that straight. That's a battle. We're going to, guys, listen, we're going to get on each other's nerves. That's just the way that it is. Do you ever meet those people that just irritate you and you don't know why? Come on, we all have them people. Now, it's nobody, for me, it's nobody in this room. It's the 1130 that you got to watch out for. Now, y'all know in the 1130, I'm going to say the 930. So, y'all, y'all already know that. So, if you listen to the podcast and it's the other one, and you're like, wait a minute, no, I'm just funny. But, you know, that's the reality, right? Because we're human nature. There's sometimes we just meet people and we don't know why. They just, they ir- ir- irritate me, dude. Just the way you talk, the way you move, you just irritate. You know why? Usually they're just like you. I'm just, hey, that's a psychological, that's a fact. That's a fact in surveys and things that they find out that people with similar personality types when they meet in a neutral environment tend to clash. You're both headstrong. You're both strongly opinionated. You know, whatever I'm saying? And you just, listen, we're going to get on each other's nerves. There's, listen, we're, we, there's some people that are is not, they're not going to like the color of the carpet we pick out. That's just a fact. Guys, come on. Let's just preempt that. Let's get over that right off the hump. All right? We got a big project to do. There's, you know, there's going to be things that even I don't like or even Pastor Eddie don't like, but it's not about that. Let's be prepared for this. When we start feeling ourselves getting tense with one another and getting chippy with one another, come on, let's just let's, let's, let's let that tension go and understand that, you know what, the devil's trying to bring us in here to fight with one another. Because if we're fighting with one another, we ain't fighting him. And if he can't take us out, then you know what? He's just going to make us fight with each other, and then we're all taken care of. He's going to move on down the street to the other church. Let's not let him do it here. Let's be smart to what he's trying to do. Amen? Amen. Sometimes we need to realize that we need to be uh, focused upon being, uh, or sometimes we are trying to be focused on being heard rather than listening to other people. 
And that starts a lot, of, a lot of quarrels in the church. We'll talk more about that later. But and then the next one, I wanted to, to spend some time here. The next battle in belonging is that they fought in the gaps. Go to, we got the next one up, verse 13 and 14. Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall and at the openings or at the gaps. And I saw, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Next one. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, fight for your sisters, fight for your sons, your daughters, and your wives, and your whole household. I want to talk about gaps for just a moment. What is a gap? It's not a clothing store. The gap are these places where a structure has been disconnected. Remember I told you that the, the walls had been, they were destroyed. There were remnants of the wall, but there were great holes in them. There were great gaps. When a structure has been disconnected somewhere, there's a gap. And a gap is where the enemy can come in. We see that in the sports world all the time. When there's gaps in coverage and that wide receiver gets free, boom, touchdown every time. Because there's a gap in the coverage. You got a gap in your auto insurance. You're, you get that one thing done to your car that your insurance won't cover. Nobody's ever had that happen before. Like, are you kidding me? That's a gap. You know, we got all these things. There's a gaps. Well, I want you to think about something for a minute. There's two types of gaps. I want to talk very, very briefly about these. The first types of gap is this. The first type of gap is a place where um, it's been destroyed by a previous battle. This wall had been broken down because Babylon had invaded them a long time ago and took them out. And they broke down their walls. Can I tell you that, church, you and me sometimes get gaps in our, wall, in our life, in our wall, by being hurt, by being bruised by being laughed at, by being lied upon, by being betrayed. How many know what I'm talking about? You get some gaps put in you by people who or maybe abused you, maybe verbally abused you, maybe physically abused you, maybe sexually abused you. You get these gaps in your life, and these are places where the devil loves to come in and just, and just, and just drag you down and just continue to just invade your life. Enough is enough. These are the places where the previous wounds are just, they're just grounded out. They're just... The hurting is still there. It's still fresh in your mind. Some of you may even be here because you've been hurt at the church. Some of the deepest wounds you'll ever get are from church people. That's just reality. The other type of wound or the other type of gap is a place of neglect. A place of neglect. You know, if you don't, that water keeps dripping under your kitchen sink long enough, it's eventually going to put a big hole and rot it out in the bottom of your cabinets. That's just neglect. We've all been there, done that, been too busy to fix something, then it becomes broken worse. And, and ask Brother Rafa, he's a mechanic. I'm sure he's seen so many things that, man, if you did this two months ago, it wouldn't cost you nowhere near what it does now. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Guys, we have those types of gaps in our, those type of disconnects in our life today. We look in our society today and we see we got all kind of gaps. We got gaps of politics. Come on, listen to me. We got gaps that have broken down the wall of the body of Christ because there's a gap of politic disagreement. There's a gap. We have a gap of racism. We have gaps of sexuality, gender, redefining marriage. We have all these things. We have just all sorts of things to divide us. We need to do like Nehemiah did. He didn't deny the gaps were there. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I see the enemy coming in to cause disagreement. I'm going to put somebody there with a sword. And I'm going to make him stand there and say, not in my church, devil. Not in my family, devil. It's time that God says, it's time that the body of Christ stand up. He's looking for some men and women of God that's going to link arms, stand short shoulder to shoulder with somebody that they may not disagree fully with, but understand we're in the body of Christ and we're going to fight this battle. And we're not going to let the devil come into our church. We're not going to let the devil come into our family. We're not going to let the devil come into our minds anymore. Arm that gap. Arm that gap. We work because we care. I love how he said that. He said, fight for your brethren, but fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your family. Because we belong, we care. We care. We're in a, a great time right now, church, 
We're getting ready to pick out, you know, design and, and brick and, and, and how it's going to look and how, and all that's great to pick out the, the types of seating and all this stuff's fun and exciting. But let's look about the, let's forget about the physical blueprints for a minute. Let's look at the spiritual blueprints for a minute. What kind of church are we going to have? Are we going to have a church of love? Then let's start loving one another. If we're going to have a church of grace, let's give somebody some slack. If we're going to have a, 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 a church where there's compassion, then let's do something for somebody else. If we want to have a church of worship, then let's participate. If we want to have a church where the word goes out, then be the church on time. If we want to have a church that ministers to the community, then volunteer to help. What kind of church are we going to have? Now's the time to build it. Now's the time to drop some blueprints. And if something doesn't work, if there's a gap right there, then let's put somebody there that can, let's get in there by the power of the Holy Spirit and say, we're not going to let the devil come in and cause division with that one. We don't do that here. My kids come home from school doing all, I, I look them in the eye and I said, we don't do that here. We don't play those games here. And we stop it. That's what we need in the spirit realm. Satan is running amok in our society. He is doing everything and anything he wants to do, and it's happening in the church. And I say enough is enough. We got to stand and armed with the word of God, armed with the blood of Jesus, armed with the compassion of Christ. And say, come here. I love you. I welcome you. Come here. We're going to speak the truth. That was my first point. Man, I gotta, we got to get going. There's a second point. So we're talking about the battle. You want to belong to something? You got to fight for it. And those are the four battles. The next one is that there's a blessing. Ah, let's turn the corner. We're all sweet and happy now. There's a blessing in belonging. That sounded like Willy Wonka, didn't it? The old Willy Wonka. How many new Willy Wonka fans? Charlie, how many old Willy Wonka fans? All right, that's right. I'm in a house with brothers of like faith. All right. I don't have time to go there, but write the scripture down if you're taking notes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse 12, actually the whole, read the whole chapter, but from 12 to 19, he talks about the body of Christ, and he simply says this. He says, brothers, we are made up of many individual, I'm paraphrasing it, okay? He says, we are made up. One body is made up of many different members. And he said, we have eyes, we have ears, we have arms, and so we do in the spirit. And he said, what if all of the parts of the body said, I want to be an eyeball? Then he said, if everyone's an eyeball, where is your hearing? Where is your walking? Where is your hand? In other words, he's saying, don't undervalue one another or don't undervalue yourself because you're not a certain way because you all belong in the body of Christ. There is a blessing. Why? Because we would look kind of weird if we were just a big giant eyeball. Welcome to my church. Big giant eyeball. I mean, you, 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 you couldn't do what you need to do. You couldn't move right. But the whole body is benefited because as I'm walking, I've got tendons and ligament, things you can't even see. See, the church needs some more people that aren't worried about being seen and are worried about holding up the structure. Y'all ain't ready for this. This is too deep for 930. But the Lord is saying, I'm looking for some people who aren't looking for the outside, the stage, the opportunity. I'm looking for some intercessors. I'm looking for some prayer warriors who are going to be the tendon to that big old leg, who are going to be the ligament to that hand that, you know, it might be not the one to reach out, but they're going to want to equip the ones that are reaching out. It's all part of the body of Christ. And he says the whole body benefits because you're a boss, because you got it working. Because your arms are there, your legs are there, your eyes are, you're working 100% because everybody's getting along. There's a blessing. I want to show you this. Let's switch gears a little bit. Psalm 133, listen to this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head and running down the beard of the beard of Aaron. That's a direct um, excerpt from the Old Testament. Uh, running down the edge of his garments. The next verse is where I want to park it. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Here it is right here. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. For there where? When brothers dwell together in unity. That is the blessing of God. When you go to a church that's on fire, you're not going to hear backbiting. You're not going to hear gossip. You're not going to hear people dogging the pastor. Those types of people try to come in and they don't usually make it. Then they all meet together at Big Boy somewhere chewing up their all previous pastors. Y'all didn't know that there's breakfast buffet and previous pastor buffet in the back corner. Oh, I'm, uh, it's too tough for 930. Mm -mm. I got to wrap this thing up. There's a blessing when you're together. In Acts chapter 2, what it say? It said when they were all gathered and in one accord. Then the, it took them folk 10 days. The Holy Spirit came when they were in the upper room. They were there. And the Holy Spirit came when they were in one mind 
in one accord. Listen, I'm going to say something that's going to make some people really mad at me. But there is a blessing when we live together in unity. Let me tell you something. Unity is not always agreeing. Some of us need to learn how to disagree respectfully. Some of us need to learn how to disagree respectfully. Some of us need to be more informed rather than influenced by the loudest person in the room. That's for somebody. That's for somebody. I went to a, a Royal Ranger convention here a couple of months ago, and I was blown away. This dude was doing ropes, man. This guy was literally building skyscrapers with ropes. It was, um, I was fascinated with this guy. And he was just, I mean, quicker, and I have never seen anything like it. And, and I, I had a piece with me, and I left it in the church van, and, and that long story, I wasn't able to hold it. But there's a type of rope that is reverse braided, and he showed me this. I didn't know this. Maybe some of y'all know this. I didn't know this. There's a type of rope that is reverse braided, uh, and there's a technical term for it. I don't know. I call it reverse braided. What this means is that there is a natural twist in the rope that goes this way, but the fibers go that way inside the rope. I was like, whoa, hold on, revelation time, hold on. He said, watch this. He said, the rope actually gets stronger as it's crisscrossed. Y'all ain't ready for this. Y'all ain't ready for what I'm about to say. If some of us would worry more about understanding our neighbor than getting our opinion heard, we might get some unity in the body of Christ. <laughs> Listen, like the piece of the rope where, you know what, we got a vision where it needs to go this way, but there's some times when we don't get our own way, how are you going to react? Are you going to take it to Facebook? Are you going to dog the church? Are you going to dog the leadership because you didn't get your way? Listen, there's a way to disagree. In fact, it can make us stronger. Because you know why? I'm talking spiritually. Because it uh, removes the gap for the enemy to come in. Because just as that rope, he said if the rope was all twisted the same way, it wouldn't be so strong. But he said I can have a rope with this size diameter that could hold something several hundred pounds because the rope is crisscrossed inside, basically. So you take it apart this way, but all the rope is twisted the wrong way. That's how we need to learn how to just get together. You know what? I didn't get my own way. I understand. It's for the greater picture. Maybe now is not the time. I'm still going to support the church. I'm still going to support the pastor. I'm still going to support what God is doing because we just have learned how to disagree. Talking about the blessing and belonging. The church can be stronger for it. The church can be stronger for it. I love this. It says in Psalms that a tree planted by the water will give fruit in its own season and bear fruit in its season. Listen, you will be blessed with fruit if you belong. You will be blessed with fruit. Some of us aren't blessed with fruit in our life because we haven't belonged anywhere. We've done this and we've moved here and we've shifted here and we do this. And, and that's all good and that has its place to go to this church's event and go to this Bible study and this guy's revival. And we just go to this and go to that. There's an unrest upon us. And God is saying, listen, you need to have the blessing of belonging. You need to have a blessing of belonging. A tree gets stronger when the root system goes deeper and further. But it takes time. You, that tree doesn't get deep roots in two weeks or two months, even two years. It takes a long time. But guess what? The trees with the deepest roots will stand in the hardest of times. You see what I'm saying? The trees with the deepest roots will stand in the hardest. Let the winds blow. Let the winds blow. He's going to stand because his roots go way into the soil. That's a blessing of belonging. And the last point this morning is benefits of belonging. In Hebrews 10, 24. Yeah, we, we got this one. No? Yeah? Okay. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love. There, look how he says this. Let us consider one another in how to stir up love and good works in the church. How to stir up love and good works. How many know you can stir up some strife? You know what buttons to push. You know what topics to go at. You can stir up some strife. No, no, no. Paul's saying, or the writer of Hebrews, well, I don't think it's Paul, but he said, the stir up love. Stir up good works. You know, the Bible says that one who sows discord is an abomination to God. It's in Proverbs. I, oh, man. Am I going to have too many friends today, am I? But this is the, this is the blessing, guys. Okay, let's keep, uh, no, no, right here. As, and let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Guys, this is one of the benefits of belonging to a church. That we can come together and we can bless one another. We can encourage one another. We can put our arms around each other and say, man, you were betrayed. You were hurt. You know what? You're dealing with this thing. Let's put our arms around you. Let's encourage one another. I don't know about you, but I need some encouragement out there. I literally have two minutes. 
Let me finish with this, and we're going to stand and go home. I'm just going to tell you, I, I grew up in the church. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. I have. I, I, I have vivid memories in the church of people uh, screaming at my father, pointing their finger in his face. I have vivid memories of people waiting outside our home to jump my father after his service when he preached something controversial. I have memories of him receiving letters in the mail of how he needs to do a better job as a pastor. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. I have vivid memories. My wife and I got started early. A lot of people look at me and I'm younger. I get it. But people don't realize, and I've gotten past that, having to show up my credentials of how long I've been doing stuff. I ain't got time for that. My wife and I have been doing ministry for a long, long time. And we have gotten betrayed. We've gotten blasted. We've gotten wounded. We've gotten accused. We've gotten everything you could think of. We've gotten opposed, like viciously, violently opposed with our ministry. We've kind of been there and done that in some things. But let me tell you, there was a time in my life where I didn't want the church. I didn't want ministry. I saw what it did to my mom and dad, and I was experiencing what it was doing to me, and I wanted to go work somewhere and forget the whole thing. And so many pastors do. Right now, pastors are resigning their church. Right now. And it's unnecessary. If some folk would learn to just get along, and some folk would learn to just support what he's trying to do, then that maybe he would make it, and then maybe the church would make it, then maybe society would make it, maybe the community would make it. If the church would just get together and be the church, maybe something would change. I've seen it all. And some of the deepest wounds come from church people. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But guess what? Some of the deepest blessings come from church people. The Lord had put us in a place, and my parents even say the same thing, put them in an incubator for two and a half years at a church that just loved on them and, and, and undid all the wickedness that everybody else had done. The church is a good thing. So I began to think down just, just some things. I heard a pastor say this. He said, you know, what are the benefits of belonging? Here's a few, and we're going to stand and go home. Here's the benefit of belonging. He said, ministry is this. We hatch them, we match them, and we dispatch them. Do you get it? Do you get it? Yeah, we hatch them, celebrate birth. We match them, we marry them, and we dispatch them, their funeral at the heaven. In case some of y'all just didn't quite get that. I thought, man, you know, that's so cool. That's the power of the local church. When Joshua, our firstborn, was born, we had just started this church. And we canceled Wednesday night service, and everyone showed because it was born. It was Lindsay was in the hospital. The whole church was in the waiting room. I walk out, and I'm like, holy cow, the whole church is here. And there was only like 15 or 20 of us at the time. But we were all there. And went to the hospital, filled the entire waiting floor. My second daughter was born during a missions convention. My wife was up here singing, having contractions. They said, that wasn't the spirit. And by the old time he shouts, that, that wasn't the spirit. She was like, we got to go to the hospital. <laughs> I love it. Church life. So here's some things. I want you to stand because I'm out of time and this is going to make me forward. This is going to force me to close. Benefit of being in a church, guess what? We get to experience life together. We get to experience. I love, I was hanging out with Don Wednesday night. He was telling me about his family's legendary baked beans recipe. How he's not going to give it to me, he said. It's Okay. His stories of when him and Val met, and I love hearing all the stories and, and, and the camaraderie, and I'm getting to know so many people. That's a, just enjoying life together. Um, people have a deep emotional need to be accepted into a group. That's why the people who don't know about the church form bowling leagues and, and this club, and I'm not hating on any of that stuff. We have a need to connect. We have a need to get together. What better place than the church? We ain't perfect, but we're trying. So come on, let's cut, somebody, let's cut each other some slack. Let's get a hold of the project and let's do this. So here's a few more things. According to the healthcare group Cigna, listen, 43% of Americans feel isolated. 43% of Americans feel isolated. More than half of all Americans feel that no one truly knows them well. Research shows that loneliness can significantly increase the mortality rate. It means having a good relationship can literally save your life. Some other benefits, support in hard times. How many have been in some hard times? Listen, I got to tell you, if it wouldn't be for the church, I don't know how my wife and I would have made it through some stuff we went through if it hadn't been for the church. Not even necessarily getting help in a, in a practical sense, just some, some love, just a hug, just some kind words. How about a place to serve God with our the benefits of the local church? It, it, it's, you know, to be in your living room singing to your wall is awesome, but being able to be here and, and, and help minister and gifts corporately is even more awesome. You know what I'm saying? 
It's a place that people get to be ushers, get to be greeters, get to be cleaners, get to be, you know, we, we pull up and the lawn looks great. Guess what? Somebody had to do that. The church smells good. It looks good. That, that's, we get a, there's some, there's something good that feels good when you serve, isn't there? It's a place that we can fellowship. We can break bread and have that potluck dinner. We can have corporate worship. I love, man, you guys are worshiping this morning. You guys were just all singing. And that, I love that. I love to just be a part of that. You know, forget about having, you know, the lighter going and the cell phone and singing some burnout on stage. I love to come together and sing songs corporately to lift up my God. I love that. I love just being quiet and listening to the men, listening to the women, just lifting up their voice. I love, I get a charge on that. And I love this, to be Jesus to the community. That's the benefit of the local church. Amen. In the end of the chapter, the Bible says the Jews came and they stuck around and they, they populated the city. Let me just tell you this. Stick around, okay? Stick around. After this building's built and all the hype is there and all the fad, fads go, stick around. Be a part of the church for the long haul. You'll be better for it. So what do you say, River of Life? Are we going to build this church? Are we going to build this church? Are we going to have love? Are we going to be willing to belong? Are we going to be willing to battle? Are we going to enjoy the blessing and be the benefit? Come on, let's do this thing together. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word that went out this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the encouragement that came in the word. And Father God, I pray that you help us to settle. I pray that you help us to be the church that you want us to be. Help us to put in some deep roots here, Father God. Help us to be committed to what you want us to do, Lord. Before I dismiss you with every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's anyone with us this morning that you don't know, you're, you're not a part of the church. You might have joined as you were a child, but you've never been born again. You might have belonged to a building, but you never belonged to the body. I'm going to say that again. Maybe you belong to a building, but you don't belong to the body. Is that you in this place this morning and you want to make things right with God? Just lift up your hand. I'll pray with you. The church, I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you for your money. I'm asking you for commitment to anything other than giving your life to Jesus Christ. Is there anybody in this place, anybody that would say, if I died right now, I'm not right with God and I know it. Anybody. Amen. I trust that we're all believers in this place. Jesus, thank you once again for your word. Help it to go deep down into our hearts. Father, let, it, and let, it just, let us just be lit up, ready to, to, to change this community, build this building, build this body of believers and support this church in any and every way that we can. Bless us and protect us as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Be dismissed. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.